The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Hey, it's 2.05 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. The Tuesday edition, Jalen Nye, Andrew Gross. Look lots at that. Of, the week's almost done. No, not quite. Well, I mean, we're not on Monday, so that's, that's a positive that's thing. That's always a positive thing. Um, we have lots to get to this afternoon, mm-hmm. but wanted to get to this first. And you've been hearing about it uh, throughout the uh, day on our newscast. Brian Jean, the United uh, Conservative MLA for Fort McMurray Conklin and former Wild Rose Party leader, is resigning from his seat in the Alberta legislature. So in a statement last night, Jean said he didn't make the decision lightly, uh, but he needs time now to focus on spending it with his family. I did not make this decision lightly. Being elected to represent the people of Fort McMurray in different capacities since 2004 has been one of the greatest honours in my life. Alberta and Albertans are always close to my heart and my mind. And I believe now is an important time in my life to draw closer to my family, my kids and my grandchildren. My beautiful wife Kim was my greatest support during my time as MLA leader and leadership candidate. And it's time for us to take the next steps on our adventure together, including finally getting our home rebuilt in Fort McMurray. I love you, Kim. Thank you for all of your support. And thank you, everyone, for the opportunity of a lifetime. I love this province so much, and I'll never stop advocating for it. God bless Alberta. God bless all Albertans. And with that, the curtain falls. Political science professor at Mount Royal University, Dwayne Bratt, joins us on the phone. And Dwayne, it's always a great month when I get to speak Two to you twice. Two times in a week. Twice, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure who should be more pleased. Well, it's me, definitely. <laughs> I guess let's start with uh, this, with uh, uh, the resignation of... Uh, uh, I've forgotten his name already. Brian Jean. Sorry, that's how quickly it happens. Um, this can't have come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, given his failed leadership um, race uh, and then not receiving any kind of high profile or no position at all, um, this had to be expected. Oh, 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 absolutely. I was not surprised by this. Uh, the only question was was when, not, not if. Mm-hmm. And all you had to do was go back to the leadership race uh, evening in late October 2017 and just look at the body language and facial expressions of Brian Jean. There's a big smile with uh, Jason Kenney, even Doug Schweitzer is smiling, and the third person doing the uh, the raised hands was Brian Jean, and he looked like he would rather be anywhere else. Uh, and, and that's in fact what, what occurred. Now, to be fair to Brian, I think if Jason Kenney had also lost that, he would have left the party as, as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure um, that's true, yep. Right, and because this was a bit of an unusual circumstance where you had two party leaders fighting for one position. You had the Wild Rose leader, Brian Jean, and the, the PC leader, and Jason Kenney, and then they merged the parties, and only one could be victorious. And uh, the the winner gets the spoils, and the, and the loser exits. So... Um, that this did not come as a surprise to me at all. Dwayne, did it come as a surprise to you at all that um, that uh, Gene didn't get any 
you know, half decent post or post inside that party. I know it's been a while now, but to me, it seems like, you know, that would have been something to bring him into the fold either way, to bring him into the fold and work together. Yeah, and that often happens. Uh, think about, you know, when Stephen Harper won, um, Peter McKay didn't run against him, but he made Peter McKay a senior uh, minister. Uh, Clark and Mulroney had a very tough battle. Mm-hmm. They worked together. Paul Martin and Jean Chrétien, a tough battle. Uh, they worked together. And apparently Jason Kenney offered Brian Jean a post. Mm. Uh, Brian Jean uh, declined it. In fact, I don't think he spent much time in Edmonton uh, after October. Uh, he spent most of his time in Fort McMurray. I do know there was a purge of staffers, of anyone associated with Brian Jean. Yep. That may have, have turned him off. But I think this was more Brian Jean's decision uh, than Jason Kenney's decision. Hmm. So, you know, before we, I, I, I don't want to leave Brian Jean just yet, but I'm anxious to get to your uh, thoughts on what we're going to see with the session that starts on Thursday. Uh, but what do you think Brian Jean will be most remembered for? And I, I'll tell you, if you asked me that question, I'd say probably how he handled the Fort McMurray mm-hmm. fires. Yeah, I would, I would put that there, but I would put that second. Uh, I would really say it was coming to the rescue of the Wild Rose Party in 2015. Mm, yeah. This was a man who had served in Ottawa for 10 years, who wasn't particularly well-known. He'd sat on the deep back benches. Then he had retired, come home to Fort uh, McMurray. He loses his son uh, to a health uh, accident, and he dies. And then in the midst of that, there's a massive floor crossing of Wild Rose folks to the PC party. And it looked like the Wild Rose Party was dead. Yeah. Nobody wanted to lead it. And Brian Jean felt a, um, a degree of responsibility and came back in very tough circumstances and became party leader and led them to an election result that was greater than what Wild Rose had done in 2012. Yeah. Um, they formed the official opposition. They won over 20 seats. I think that's what I'm going to remember Brian Jean for. It's not just the results that he had, but it was the sense of duty, the sense of obligation. Um, and that's what I'm going to take away. You know what? Uh, politics in this province has been absolutely fascinating for so many years mm-hmm. now. It has just, you know, pop a bag of popcorn, sit back and watch and see what's going on. I feel the same thing is, go- is about to happen with the new, uh, the new uh, session of the legislature starting. I am really looking forward to seeing Kenny and Notley face off. We have not seen that sort of battle before. We've never had two leaders... Uh, of very strong resumes and of very stark ideological differences mm-hmm. facing off, uh, as they say, two sword lengths apart. Normally, the spring session is all about the budget, but I'm looking at the personal dynamics between Notley and Kenny, and both of them are absolutely confident that they can defeat the other person in the legislature. Um, so, uh, yeah, get uh, get. Poodles <laughs> of popcorn to, to watch that. And you've got the whole pipeline debate. Yes. And I think there's actually more common ground uh, between the NDP and the UCP on the pipeline battle than neither of them wants to admit. The difference is going to be, you know, we, we've seen the, the wine spat, the possibility of uh, further uh, economic sanctions against BC from the Notley government. But Kenny is going to be going, do it harder, do it more be tougher with them. 
And so she's going to get that sort of push in the legislature to be even stronger uh, against B.C. Well, I think that's part of this whole tour that he just uh, wrapped up mm-hmm. out in B.C. and, you know, making the calls that he's uh, has been out there. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I mean, Rachel Notley has gone out to B.C., but they've largely been closed audiences of business communities, people that already support um, the pipeline. Jason Kenney went on a talk show. Yeah. If you're going to go on a talk show, you never know who's going to call up and how do you defend that. And, yeah, and, and took so calls Jason Kenney went right into the lion's mouth. And, uh, and came out strong. But hmm. you know what? I find that Kenny is not afraid to take on anything. From when I, when I hear him being interviewed, when I hear him at public forums, I mean, bring it on. This is what he lives for. Oh, absolutely. The, the man is incredibly hardworking. He is intelligent. He is articulate. Uh, you know, this guy could very well be the next premier of the, the province. And he's a very strong advocate already for, the, uh, for Alberta. You know, that's specifically what I want to talk to you about, Dwayne, because it seems like uh, the table's being set uh, for a two-party race, but there's a third party. And let me just say this. Years ago, I interviewed Raj Sherman, and uh, both on and off the air, we talked about the Liberals never gaining a major foothold in Alberta, and both on and off the air, I said to him, you can elect a Liberal in Alberta, you just have to run him as a Conservative, and that's, you know, that's what ended up sort of taking a clearer shape, I think, didn't it, this time around, because the UCP, in my mind, I, I sort of equate it to the original PCs, the... Uh, NDP or the NDP and the Alberta party is that liberal component of the PCs that left when the two parties merged. Oh, absolutely. And the irony of that is Greg Clark, the former leader who who won the first seat for the Alberta party, campaigned directly against the PCs. And it was an attack against the PC machine. And now it looks like the remnants of the PC party. Not just Stephen Mandel, who is, of course, in Prentice's cabinet, but Rick Fraser, who was also a PC uh, member. And in the back rooms, you've got people like Susan Elliott and Catherine O'Neill and yeah. Stephen Carter. If they are described as the PC element that Jason Kenney removed, uh, I'm not sure that does the Alberta part party uh, well. Um, We'll have to see what sort of appetite is that uh, for for them, or whether they can just say, "Look, at we're we, we've got NDPers, we've got X Wild Rosers, we've got you know we're a home for everybody." But if they're if the perception is they're simply PC Part B, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be in some trouble. And, but you know what they don't have is a leader in uh, the ledge. And Steve Mandel has no plans to run in a by-election, even though there is actually a seat open right now that he could run in. So he plans instead to get the party together, uh, form, you know, get candidates ready to run in the 2019 election. Do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage not to have Steve Mandel at the ledge? I actually think in the, uh, that it's a good thing. I think he needs to build the party. Being in the legislature, I think this was Greg Clark's error. I think he was very effective in the ledge in a one-person caucus. Um, but 
as a result of that, he spent so much time in there and was so fixated on committee work, he was ignoring the building the party aspect. And I think that's really what the Alberta Party needs to do. It needs to find candidates. It needs to build up constituency associations. It needs to fundraise. It needs to attract volunteers. And if you're sitting in the ledge, I don't know if you can do both. Uh, they've got a presence in the legislature. They've got Clark. They've got Fraser. Uh, they've got McPherson. They've got three people. Uh, perhaps more are coming. Um, and that allows Mandel to focus on building the party. What I'm more interested in is where is he going to try to do that? <laughs> uh, is he going to, you know... Uh, get a blue blazer, some blue jeans, and, uh, and a blue pickup, pickup truck and drive truck. across the province? Get it done. I don't think he is. Uh, or is he going to focus on a handful of ridings in Calgary and in Edmonton? And I think choosing a man from Edmonton was probably in the best interest of the party, of the Alberta party, um, and just focus on how to build that caucus from three to six or three to eight or three to ten. Um, I don't think they're on the verge of winning the 2019 election. Hmm. I think there's many people out there still that just see, you know, uh, Stephen Mandel may be the, the head of the Alberta Party now, but still very much when they think of him, they think of uh, him as a, as a, as a PCer, uh, in, in, in the health minister under the Prentice government. And they can't separate that. They can't see the difference. Like, I, oh, you were really here, wonder, now you're there. I wonder if Mandel's reputation would have been stronger if he is being described as the former three-term mayor of Edmonton, Mm -hmm. as opposed to that six-month period when he was a a minister under Jim Prentice. I think that is going to hurt him in 2019, especially the fact that he lost his seat Mm -hmm. uh, in in the 2015 election. And so, um, you know, is he going to find a riding that he may be more successful in? Uh, you know, if you're going to be a leader of a party, forget about running in a by-election. You better win in the general election, yeah. at least a seat. Although it is interesting, you made mention of two things I really want to follow up on. More to follow, you referred to uh, possible MLAs for the Alberta Party. So first of all, are you expecting some floor crossings? Uh, there's already been a lot of floor crossings, and... Um, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion about Richard Starkey and, mm-hmm. and which direction he is going to go. It does not take a leap of my imagination to see Richard Starkey sitting in an Alberta party. Hmm. Uh, and he's currently sitting, he, he still calls himself a progressive conservative. So, yes, you have that PC element, but it would also move the party from three to four, which would give them official party status mm-hmm. in the That's legislature. Right. Um, that's one possibility. Uh, there's There's some others. Uh, out there that, that could, could happen as, as well. Yeah, it's interesting. The other thing I wanted to follow up on, uh, the stronghold, I mean, the NDP formed a majority government with strongholds uh, in Edmonton and Calgary. So it makes a lot of sense to me to field an Edmonton candidate. Um, but again, I'm not really sure, given what you just said. I don't know that there's even a question here. It's sort of in my mind that he was unsuccessful. Uh, actually, the only uh, only the second time, to my knowledge, that he's lost an election, and I believe the other one was as a school trustee um, before he entered civic politics or, or city hall politics. So is he strong enough to unseat 
NDPers in Edmonton, and can he unseat or or has he, he as a leader? Can he can he and his uh, candidates unseat enough NDP, or or is this going to be a split again like we've seen before, where some go NDP, some go Alberta? Yeah, and I mean that's that's the challenge that he's got. I mean uh, Edmonton has become the NDP fortress, and are they going to defend that at, at all means? Um, we'll have to see. Um, in the issue of Calgary, uh, who knows? The Alberta Party may still do better in Calgary. Most of their, their members remain in, in, in the city of Calgary. Um, the NDP's victories largely came between vote splits between the PCs and, and Wild Rose, which was less an issue uh, in Edmonton. There were people who won in Edmonton with 60% of the vote. Mm-hmm. In Calgary, they were winning with 35% mm-hmm. of the vote or 32% of the vote. Uh, and in one case, actually 28%. So it's a very different situation between the two cities. It's an interesting oh, uh, playing field. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so excited about. <laughs> it's, it's funny uh, to be honest with you, you two. I had practically no interest in this seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I had, but you know what? I've uh, because of this job. And because it's just been so darn interesting, Alberta stands out as the most volatile provincial political scene with floor crossings and parties splitting yeah. and merging. And my goodness, it's a great time to be a poli sci professor. Isn't it, it? it has been for several years in Alberta, but I think on the craziness, we, we now have to tip our hat to Ontario. They oh, have yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that's true. A whole true. new level over the last two months. <laughs> uh, Dr. Dwayne Bratt, thank you for joining us today. Much appreciated. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care, Dwayne Brett. Uh, he is a political science prof and uh, chair in the Department of Economics, Justice, and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University. If you follow him on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, lots of good stuff there as well. At all levels. A lot. Provincial, federal, international. He yeah, retweeted uh, an article today from McLean's uh, magazine about Jason Kenney. That's right. About uh, how it's kind of pretty much his two... Lose, lose. Or his to lose. Yeah. Fascinating article. If you get a chance to read it, do so. It's 222. Some of your texts coming in. Once again, thanks to Dwayne Bratt for joining us this afternoon. Some of your texts coming in about Brian Jean, the one guy in the UCP with a shot at winning my vote quits. Nice work, Kenny. <laughs> and this is not surprised, just disappointed. Brian Jean was one of the few good guys over on that side. Uh, all I can say is the more infighting amongst the Conservatives and the more parties, the better for the NDP to win again. Brian Jean did stand up for Fort Mac very well. I wish him the very best. And from Sebastian, it says, My concern with Kenny is every time he opens his mouth, he's coming across as a socially intolerant, ultra-conservative bigot. Worst part is it's not the other party parties making him sound bad. He seems quite adept at doing it himself. Hmm. And again, the, you know, you look at... Brian Jean, you look at Rachel Notley and where they stand on some pretty big issues and how how completely different they are. Yeah, it's funny because, and as I say, the landscape is much clearer to see now. It's been pretty foggy for several years. And many would still describe the NDP as an accidental government. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lines are very clearly drawn now. For the most part, uh, you have basically a conservative party, uh, you have a moderate party, and you have um, mm-hmm. an NDP party. I don't know how to describe them. So the lines are very clear- clearly drawn. But as Dwayne mentioned, the UCP and the NDP don't really differ greatly 
in the pipeline discussion, which will be the number one discussion moving forward in this session, Mm -hmm. they only differ on what they would do about it and to what extent they would do it. So, yeah, there was a wine ban, and now that wine ban's been lifted, and we're going to court, and um, Jason Kenney basically saying, no, I'd turn the taps off. Turn the pipes off. Is what I would do. Let them freeze in the dark, that sort of philosophy. But again, it's it's a little different yeah. to be and in a position just, of opposition exactly. as opposed to government, right? Exactly. And you know, is that just tough talk to get to make the headlines to get more? Right. I mean, hopefully, I, I, I would imagine, in fact, that both Rachel Notley and Jason Kenney are both hoping this gets sorted out and shovels are in the ground before the next election so they can argue about what could have been or would have been had either one been leader at the time as opposed to what you're actually going to do about it if the crisis is on your desk. And then the question is, what is the federal government going to do about it? Well, did you see uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, took on (laughs) Prime Minister Trudeau about the pipeline? And as much as I don't agree with uh, the science guy's uh, stance, you've really got to enjoy... Uh, watching a prime minister completely squirm. Did you see it? Oh, it was good. It was... Really? Yeah, it was... Okay. I'll, I'll tell you how good it was. And, and Google it and watch it, folks. It, it was better than the uh, Bachelor finale for awkwardness. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's how good it was. <laughs> the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.